This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, here I am. I am here, and I am here with my friend, BJ Colleen, to talk about what's going on in the car world, the automotive industry, just the, the hobby that, that, that so many of us love to talk about cars and playing with cars. And uh, BJ Colleen here bringing some news to the table early in the show. Thank you, BJ. Hi. How you doing? I'm fine, but I'm not doing news today. Oh, you're not doing news. Well, I've got some news. Hold on. Let me give a little news just, just in case anybody. Okay, had a... but I've got something else to talk about. Okay. But you can go ahead and well, do some news if you have something. Uh, just in case, because somebody sent me this and I thought, you know what? I'm going to tell the world about this. This is kind of a big piece of news and it's not even car news, but it could be because it depends on what state you live in. But New York Supreme Court reinstates all employees fired for being unvaccinated orders back pay that's a big deal that's a huge deal and you think about all the people that you know and in all the different states now when new york does it i wonder how many others will start to do that and that could affect our auto industry in a positive way you know what i'm saying yeah there's probably a lot of people who worked at dealerships that got let go because of it oh for sure and then that loosens up money huh Wow, how nice. The economy may, you know, do some good now. But anyway, all right, well, what do you have to talk about? (laughs) Well, in the spirit of the season, this is Halloween coming up real soon. I thought I'd talk about haunted cars. (laughs) Oh, jeez. So we have Uh, some spooky car stories. So I thought that might be fun. So let's start off with the most evil car in America. And in 1964, there was a Dodge 330 that actually had the name The Most Evil Car in America. And allegedly, it has killed more than a dozen people. And that's wow. uh, pretty scary. But the car was wow. purchased by, by a police unit. And apparently, there were three different officers that spent time in the car. And every one of them that drove the car ended up committing murder-suicides. Wow. Where they killed their families and then killed themselves. Good so Lord. that's a little scary. And I that know. was 1964? It was the 64 Dodge, that's right. And that's not even the worst of it. There's even more that the next owner was a lady named Wendy. And when she would drive the car on the highway, the car's doors would open by themselves. And then it would jam the steering wheel, trying to get her to crash and run off the road. Good Lord. So that's kind of weird. So now the members of a local church, because obviously this car is possessed, heard about it. They went out and they vandalized the car to stop it from being used. And apparently the story or the rumors are that the ones that vandalized the car, some of them ended up decapitated by an 18-wheeler truck, and one member was struck by lightning. Oh, my God. And that's not even the end of it. No way. Oh, yeah. 2007, (laughs) they said a child who supposedly touched the car again went on to kill his entire family much the same way as the police officers. So apparently after this happened, the local church members stole the car chopped it up into small pieces and sent the pieces to multiple junkyards to make sure it was never reassembled. So if you think Christine was a bad vehicle, this Dodge 330, not a fun car. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. 
Isn't that weird so. crime scene investigation? And then all of a sudden they start seeing a pattern or something. What a bizarre Can you imagine? Thing. Yeah. I know. Dang. So I don't know. I don't know what the original story is of the car or what happened to it originally, but uh, luckily it should never be put back together. But we've all seen the movie Christine, right? Yeah, the yeah, Stephen yeah, King yeah. movie. Gosh. Where that car, that was what, a, a Plymouth Fury, right? Was it a 57 Plymouth Fury? I, I don't remember my, the year, but I think you're right. Yeah, God. Yeah, Red, Christine, it possessed people too. And <sighs> that movie just terrified me when it first came out. I'll never forget it. It's like, ah, you didn't want to drive after that. You <laughs> so, know what? I Every time I get into a Shelby, it has the spirit of Carol Shelby in it, and my foot goes right to the floor. It's not my fault, <laughs> I swear, officer. Anyway, I completely agree. I know Shelby just gets in, he takes your body over and he steps on that throttle. There's no doubt about it, but it's amazing how many spooky cars there are out there. And I think when we get back from the break after this one, there's a sports car that somebody famous died in and it was also rumored to be haunted. So I think when we get back from the break, we will talk about that one because it's definitely one that has some notoriety and uh, some celebrity involved. Do you I, know what, what I'm talking about? I, I don't, but I can tell you that, I, you know, when I was young and I went to Wrecking Yards, I used to walk up and down the aisles. I remember it clearly, looking at the cars, thinking, oh my gosh, did somebody get killed in that? And look at that one over there. And it was, it was, it was eerie. There was, there was an energy in the air. I, and I ended up Without a doubt. buying a Wrecking Yard later on in life. And, there was. There was some spirits in that wrecking yard. All right, we'll take a break. BJ's got more fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it is The Drive. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Subaru. Go where love takes you, Subaru. BJ Colleen joining us, giving us some uh, Halloween stories about scary and evil cars. Yikes. What else you got, so, BJ? Let me ask you a question. When, when you own the, the junkyard, were there any strange things that happened in the junkyard? Because you're right, a lot of those vehicles probably were in fatal collisions. I know. So uh, people's spirits were haunting the cars. Did you experience anything really spooky? You know, there was one thing that happened that was so weird. Remember the movie Carrie? And sure. Carrie would look at somebody like that intense look at that noise, you know, and then something yeah. crazy would happen. 
Well, <laughs> one time we had a Volkswagen convertible and the car, it wasn't really damaged that bad. And somebody wanted to buy the whole car, which happens, you know, you have body shop owners, they want to buy the whole car and rebuild them. And yeah. Volks, Volkswagen's like everything just unbolts off the thing anyway. So I said to the, to the forklift driver, the guy had been walking around the yard and he made an offer on the whole car. He goes, what would it take to buy the whole car? And I said, I don't know. Well, make me an offer. He offered the money. It was a good amount of money. And so I told my forklift driver, I said, go up there and get that car. And what we had this huge Clark forklift, it's like a 24,000 pound forklift. It dwarfed these cars. So it would pick them up with its little finger. Right. And we had like these 10 foot forks on it. So you'd go from the side and you pick the car up from the side with the two forks and, and you just bring it down and set it on the ground. And there it is. So the guy goes up to the back top corner of the, of the wrecking yard and he scoops his car up and he's coming toward us. And the guy says to me, I'm so happy to get this car. I can't even tell you right. As he says that the forklift hits kind of a little, little, uh, a little dip in the road, you might say. And that car slid off sideways and rolled at least eight times right at us and literally stopped right on its wheels right in front of us and i looked and i go i think this car doesn't want to leave here and the guy goes oh my gosh you know he still bought it he still bought it he still, <laughs> he still probably bought, for a lot less i had to lower the price but he still bought it but it was you know funny things happen in a wrecking yard but i was like i'm watching this car roll towards me on its side back and forth over and over it went I was speechless. Anyway, it was just one of those funny things, but I never really experienced any evil spirits or anything, just funny things that happened. But Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. So getting back to haunted cars, I'm sure everybody knows about James Dean's Porsche 550 Spider, yeah, right? It's yeah. the vehicle that he lost control up in, uh, uh, was driving to a race in Salinas and, and uh, Los Robles, uh, Paso Robles is where he right. He and his passenger ran off the road and, and uh, the car flipped into a gully and James Dean was killed. His passenger was seriously injured. But what's interesting is after the crash, George Barris, who we all know is the king of customs, right, right who yeah. passed away not that long ago, he actually got the spider and he began to sell parts of the vehicle to other drivers. But instead of redoing the whole car and getting another chance, the car apparently was furious because <laughs> what they said is that Bears sold the engine and drivetrain to two doctors and they put them in two of their vehicles and they entered a race in Pomona. And while racing, both of the doctors crashed their cars and one of the doctors died from the crash. Wow. So a little bit of history there. Now, after a while, they said Barris started to think that maybe this car was cursed, and he donated the car to the California Highway Patrol. And the police were happy to have the car because they like to use these cars. And I know you've seen these crashes where they stage an accident to show people, you know, don't drive recklessly and right. then be careful what you do and don't drink and drive. Well, apparently... When they put the car in storage in a garage, the garage burned down. Oh and only the wreckage of that car was left standing. Oh so everything God. else burned to a T. So, so the CHP said, okay, bad luck. We're going to keep taking it to high schools and using the visual aid. Well, en route to one of the schools, the car broke loose from the truck hauling and crashed into another vehicle and caused a fatal accident. Oh, my gosh. So wow. It just keeps going on. Yeah. And then they took it again to another school. And it fell off again, and a student broke their hip. 
And then somebody else tried to steal the bloodstained seats and steering wheels, and they got injuries from that. <laughs> but apparently what ended up happening is George Barris or somebody made the car disappear, and nobody's seen it since. It's the bottom of so the ocean. That's probably where it belongs. Oh, yeah. my gosh. These are definitely Halloween evil car stories. Uh, we'll take a little break, come back with more BJ and talk a little bit. Maybe we can get off this subject, all right? Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, there's more? Oh, jeez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic, not domesticated. Uh, this song is perfect. I get knocked down, but I keep getting up again. Some of these evil cars, BJ Colleen joining us, they get knocked down. They just keep getting right back up again. Oh, yep. one more evil car. One more evil car. And, and the spirit uh, of the evil, evil Halloween. Yes. But it's haunted. Okay. And I know that you have been to the Henry Ford Museum yes. in Dearborn. Yes. Right? It's yep. an amazing place where you can spend a lot of time. Yeah. And they have a lot of historic vehicles there. And one of the vehicles, and I'm sure you've seen it, is the Lincoln that John F. Kennedy was assassinated in, oh, right? That happened yeah. in Dallas in 63. Everybody knows it. Right. So the vehicle, you know, it's weird because it was, they didn't have any bulletproof protection because back then, yeah, what did we know? People didn't assassinate presidents too often. I think what's up to that point. We thought we were a more civilized land. Yeah, but and we're, we're not. not now. We know yeah, that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> so the assassination, even though it was a horrible, horrible thing that happened, they didn't retire the vehicle. What they did was they re-outfitted it with bullet-resistant glass and bulletproof roof and titanium. This is when they actually first started really enhancing the structure of these presidential vehicles for protection. Right. It was for the next president, Lyndon Johnson, that we know. So the car was blue. He repainted it black. And he actually, he actually used it a couple times, but in 1967, they retired it. And it went to the Henry Ford Museum in 1978. And then people at the museum swear that the car is haunted they said that a common sighting is a person dressed in gray standing next to the car they say the apparition is often seen in late november and that's why the car is haunted because that's the month which is what next month when president kennedy was assassinated so apparently there's a couple people that have seen it and i do have a friend that used to work there and i was trying to get a hold of him to see if he could tell me if he ever saw a ghost in there but i haven't got a hold of him so i'll find out and see but there's a there's spooky cars out there so if you if your car's starting to act up you might want to like make some hex spells or put some sage <laughs> on it you know to protect yourself just in case because these cars don't mess around do you know you're right and honestly this is the truth when i get angry at my car because it's having issues or whatever it gets angry back it seems i don't care i've been driving for you know 50 years almost and cars feel whether you are angry or whether you're loving on them and they act accordingly sometimes so i think the key to the whole thing is 
to do a little meditation and prayer before you get in your car these days because <laughs> road rage is real, I'm telling you. And the car gets road rage sometimes. Matter of fact, I was pulling a trailer. I, I drove about 100 miles to buy a trailer yesterday for a friend. And on the way back, this trailer I was pulling started wagging back and forth. There was nothing on it. Usually it happens when you load them wrong or something. It started wagging yeah. back and forth and back and forth. And it was like telling me, no, no, I don't want to go with you. And I'm like, you're going with me. And I just sped up a little faster <laughs> and it straightened out. But I'll tell you what, yeah, cars do have a spirit sometimes. But Every time I get in my car, I pray it doesn't break down. So it's like, please, car, please don't leave me stranded on the side of the road. So, I know. So if you're good in your car, that's why I like to keep mine washed and gassed and yeah. check the tires and keep the maintenance going. Because if you're nice to your car, it'll be nice to you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Changing <laughs> subjects a little bit, thankfully, because gosh, that's scary stuff. You're scared doing. now, aren't you? I am. I'm going to go down there and give my car a bath. So I don't know if you've seen all of what's going on lately in the news with one I saw the other night, and I just thought we should talk about this, the electric car world that everybody is, you know, going, oh, electric, electric, electric. I had some stats the other day, and I, and I don't have one with me right now, but I, I think it's something we should look into deeper as we go, is that this whole thing with these electric cars, there's so many things that are still yet to be explored. And we're starting to see this start to manifest in fires in these electric cars. And the one I saw on the news the other day, which I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but was like a school bus, an electric school bus. And it caught on fire. Yeah, and I, I thought didn't to see myself, that. Really? Yeah. And I was like, wow. And then, you know, of course, the everybody's like, oh, we got an electric school bus. Yay. And then you know, it's on fire. And, and then, you know, then of course, a lot of the Teslas and a lot of these cars that they're having fires with. But then, of course, they had the hurricane there in Florida. And now here's this new thing that nobody's really thought much about is salt water corrosion and corrosive. You know, you ever seen your battery when it's got all white all over the terminals and and that that corrosion, it really works its way down the lines. And so now all of a sudden they're having to put cars like, you know, 60 feet apart so they don't catch each other on fire so there's so many things it's kind of like a new frontier with electric cars that it still scares me just a little bit even though i think to myself you know what it's not going to happen to me but uh that's just wishful <laughs> thinking you know what i mean so i, I never say that i'm not jinxing it yeah no i know and whenever you say that that's when it happens so that's why i'm not buying an electric car quite yet but i, I feel like not it's just not really all the way vetted out it's going to take four or five years I think for them to really figure out how to deal with the uh, the electric car stuff that they just haven't experienced yet, like salt water with electric cars and batteries. So I don't but know. But you know, you're dealing with something that's creating power. So whether it's a gasoline engine, whether it's electric vehicle, and you know how things react with electrics or hydrogen vehicles, there is nothing that's guaranteed that. Yeah, I mean, your house could blow up by leaving your gas on it. Oh, absolutely. Light. So, no, no, I'm not saying know, they're anything bad. Anything is possible. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying they're bad either. But anything is possible at any time. Yeah, I, I think there is there, there's a place for electric cars. It's just not all over the place yet. There's not enough infrastructure, and so just right. make sure if you're thinking about buying an electric car. Make sure that there's ample charging, you know, places within your footprint where you travel the most. That's all. That's my advice. Otherwise, they're great cars. It's just they're still learning about these things. BJ, thank you. Thanks, Alan. Happy Halloween. Happy. Oh, can you say happy Halloween? I don't know. Um, happy, happy day. <laughs> all right. We'll be back in a minute. Stay with us. Breaking the law. 
Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, it is time now for my very good friend, I say that just to be nice, a guy named George Kennedy III. He is from uh, Car Gurus, Boston Globe, U.S. News and World Report, and he reports here on The Drive, uh, co-founder of Car Tender. He's a car guy, like myself. And uh, George, what's going on? All right, you're my friend. I'll just... Yeah, thanks. I, well, <laughs> allow me to be a little unfriendly. Uh, y'all got to stop talking electric cars oh! so much, man. <laughs> oh, my God. We are not... She's talking. The, but I know uh, you have an inherent bias, and I am right down the middle. And, and I know in, in this modern society, any debate, politics, electric cars, whatever, nuance gets uh, shouted down, right? You know, I have made it perfectly clear to my audience that I love electric cars as long as the golf clubs are hanging on the back of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I actually own a very nice club. It's called a club. I think it's club. Golf cart. I, I love mean, it. You're not too far off, though, in that I have said that for all of these giant range-topping, ultra-luxury, ultra-fast electric cars, the real growth in the market should be smaller vehicles that, you know, we started with the Leaf and the Chevy Bolt. You know, you're seeing some mid-sized cars like Kia is doing a great job with mid-sized cars like the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6. I think that's where the real growth in the market should be. And I think you're seeing the headlines get dominated by these kind of almost lumbering. It's very ironic that GMC rolled out with the Hummer EV because it's, it's just as obscene in its own way. Mm, yes. Well, but see, here's what's funny. I believe that Americans like to have whatever they want, right? Isn't that what America's about? You can have, yeah. I was telling somebody, they said, you got a boat? So you have a boat, right? Yeah. You have a sailboat, right? Yes, I do. Dare I say, what the hell are you doing? But anyway, let me come back to my boat. <laughs> I have a boat. It's not a very big sailboat. I will also point out, too, that people use things like, well, I tow a boat once a year, which I don't tow it. We just move it on the water. But, like, somebody will say, well, I've got, you know, I've got a 40-foot horse trailer. I'm driving it across the country. You know, electric cars are not for me. So clearly they don't work for anyone. And that's what you see a lot of in the comments, right. right? Well, like I said, you have a boat. You have a sailboat. 
I have mm-hmm. a boat. I have a fishing boat, and it's got a Corvette engine in it. Okay, I gotta have a little car in my boat. So, <laughs> yeah, but, mine's got a little nine point nine horsepower Mercury <laughs> outboard motor. I go through maybe a single red gas can per summer. Yeah, well, so I can so make. My efficiency. Uh, and I'm using the power of the wind, so I've got a hybrid. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. You've got a hybrid, and I think that's hilarious. But somebody says to me, "Well, why didn't you buy a bigger boat?" And I said, mm, interesting, because I actually was looking at a hundred foot boat. I was looking at a hundred foot because I thought, I want to get a house on the beach. Okay, house on the beach, a million bucks. Forget that. So then I'm looking around and I find this somebody had a beautiful hundred foot boat. It was like 1984. My dream machine started spinning. You oh, could, yeah. You could do that. I don't know, it was like three hundred thousand bucks. Needed work. Air quotes, needed work. But I'm looking at this boat going. My God, that is beautiful. I could do this and I could do, you know, I mean, of course, it's pure insanity, right? So I, I finally came hey, to my they, senses, Yeah, you know, yeah, it had like 2000 horsepower engines or something ridiculous. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, like everybody, what, don't we love to dream? So I made my dream come down to reality and I found one that was 50 feet and it was still a lot of money. And I thought that's doable right there. I could do that. Honestly, the thing about boat ownership is there's always a bigger boat. There's always. So the point is that I end up with a 23-foot, you know, uh, trophy, which is a Bayliner trophy. It's a fishing boat. It's kind of a— That's fun, man. Yeah, it's a nice little boat. It's on a trailer. I can bring it home and put it in the field and leave it alone. But, you know, because then you got to moor it, and you got to pay the mooring fees. and you, I mean, there's oh, yeah. so many uh, costs associating with ownerships, no matter what it is of ownership of the boat, cars, homes, second homes. But I was looking well, you at know it, what, in the beginning, you know I thought it was second for, home. Right? Well, yeah, I know. Big old hole in the water, throw money into it or something so like bring that. Bring out another thousand. There you go. Okay. <laughs> but you can buy a boat for 10000 you can buy a boat and move yeah. the decimal point over for a hundred thousand. You can buy a boat for a million. You can buy a boat for a hundred million. You can buy a boat. What did um, what's the guy's name that owns Amazon? His boat was so big, they had to take a bridge down. Or, they, or actually, he was trying oh, to yeah, take the bridge down. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I tell people I got a sailboat, and they're like, "Ooh, la di da." I'm like, that sailboat costs about as much as a uh, a used Toyota Corolla. You know? <laughs> right, right. That's about my. And you know what's funny is, later on in the show, uh, Carl Brower is going to be on, and he's got a study, loss of car affordability study. Now think about that. Loss of car affordability. Same thing happened in the boat market during the summertime. All of a sudden, boats went up so high. Now, the best time to buy a boat is in the winter. The best time to buy a convertible is in the winter, right? The best time to buy a big gas-sucking truck is when gas is six bucks a gallon, which we have. But guess what? All of a sudden... People are still buying these big gas-sucking trucks because they got a big old, like you said, 40-foot trailer to haul. And then they're spending $100,000 on a new pickup truck. What well, And then people the end world? up buying, buying a vehicle that they use its full capability maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, right, right. right. Uh, but you want to have it. It's better to have it and not need it and even not have yeah, it all that stuff. But I, I'd be curious to hear about that affordability study because... I've often said, you know, a big misstep on the part of, you know, the GMs and the Fords of the world is killing off their affordable cars, where the only way to get into their vehicle, their lineup is through an SUV. And yes, they make small, affordable SUVs 
it still costs thousands of dollars more yeah. than were you to get into an affordable small car like a Toyota Corolla or a Kia Rio. Well, what's weird is cars, and this is what Carl told me we're going to talk about today, is that cars that at one time were within your affordability range are no longer in that category. It actually went out of your category because... They've gone up so much. You're like looking at a whole different group of cars or older cars. or Anyway, so Carl will be here in the next hour. Right now, George Kennedy III is here, and he's going to talk a little bit about that Austin, Texas Formula One race. Stay with us. It's The Drive. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. This is The Drive. I'm Alan Taylor. And I've been doing this radio show on and off with the different names for 30 years, believe it or not. 2002 is my 30th anniversary of doing this radio show consistently for 30 years. It started out, believe it or not, it was called Auto Talk. A bunch of guys talking about cars, just like we're doing right now with George Kennedy. And uh, George is here listening. Uh, Georgia went from Auto Talk to Motor Trend Radio, right? So then I worked for Motor Trend for about five years. Then Car and Driver Magazine came knocking at the door. And then it turned into Car and Driver Radio for about 10 years because they kind of made me a better offer. And then Motor Trend came knocking on the door, and I'm like, oh, you again. And they're like, we really want you back. And I'm like, well, and so I made a deal with them, and I went back to Motor Trend for about another few years. And then one day I was like, wait a minute. I don't need all these magazines to have to share the money with, you know, because there's a little bit of money in radio. Not much, but a little bit. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do a show about what I do, which is drive cars. So we're going to call it The Drive. And that happened about 2013, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh, we're coming up on 10 years but I continued to work with Car and Driver and Motor Trend. Now, they're competitors. That's like working for GM and Ford at the same time. I continue to represent <laughs> both of them for like, you know, forever. It's still going on. I, Car and Driver, I talk to the uh, folks there all the time. And not so much Motor Trend right at the moment. But hey, listen. So I'm a car guy, as George is. He works for Car Tender. Actually, he's a co-founder of Car Tender. Car Gurus, Boston Globe, and U.S. News and World Report. And here, and I'm sure if, if anybody else wants to hire him, he's a, he's a man whore. He'll, he'll, he'll be there for you. A gun for hire. <laughs> How about that? Oh, there you go. Anyway, okay, so I have been to many races. I went to the Austin, Texas Formula One race about five years ago. So I've been once to that racetrack for that race. But then the world changed a little bit, and uh, I haven't been back. And they had the race over the weekend, and I, I, I know you didn't go either, but you watched it because you're an F1 fanatic. I didn't even watch it, George. I didn't even watch it. So maybe you give us some highlights. Uh, you you got to start watching. It's funny you put Steve Ray Vaughn coming in off the break. That was a perfect song selection because oh. there's a statue. Oh. 
yeah, of my guitar hero, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Look at that. Uh, See? Down, down on the river. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, it's, I've never been to that, been to an F1 race, but I watch it all the time. I either record it if it's one of the early early uh, races, uh, you know, halfway around yeah, the world. overseas, but right. This one I was able to tune in at 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. My Patriots were playing Monday night. They did lose, unfortunately. But mm. I was able to sit there, you know, get some chicken wings, crack open a beer, <laughs> and watch an F1 race in my hemisphere. In your and underwear. It was, Admit it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's incredible because you said you've been there a few years ago. Yeah. It has exploded in popularity in America through the oh. show Drive to Survive, through the popularity of drivers like Danny Ricardo, who's really embraced. The connection to, you know, he's Australian, but every year he shows up with some real cool nods to to America. I think this year his helmet was painted a uh, Ricky Bobby style from uh, Talladega Nights. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's an incredible TV product. That track is incredible. I, you know, you mentioned Carl Brower. I rode shotgun with him in a Grand Cherokee SRT8 at the Jeep Grand Cherokee launch. I want to say maybe 26. 16, 2017, whenever they, they redesigned, uh, did the mid-cycle refresh and came out with the SRT version. Right. I rode with him on that track in a Grand Cherokee. He's a heck of and a driver, isn't he? He is. A lot of drivers will scare me. I know I'm getting whipped around, but I'm confident with his hands on the wheel. Yeah. And he's coming <laughs> up next, by the way, you guys. So I went to the F1 race there with Shell, oddly enough, and Ferrari, and I got to ride with, I don't know, I can't remember his name, Fernando Lamas. What's the... Fernando Alonso? Oh, yeah, Fernando. You know, you don't know who Fernando Lamas is, do you? <laughs> Corinthian Leather. I think that's his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ricardo Montalban. Oh, that's who. Fernando Lamas. Come on. Come I don't know. Like I said, I can't. Listen, my dementia's kicking in again. Leave me alone. Don't make fun of me. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that I went to that. I got to ride with him. And, you know, I mean, it's like it's kind of an elite kind of racing. I get it. It's the best of the best of racing, period. It's like the next thing is flying. You know what I mean? The next thing is Blue Angels. Right, right. These well, cars and have wings Bull, the whole One of the, the, the team that just won the Constructors' Championship with a few races left has air races, too. So they're into everything. But you make a good point about it being the thing for the elites. You know, yeah. with, the, with the Miami Grand Prix this past year and the – there's I just announced the Las Vegas race. These are becoming prohibitively expensive. Yeah. I think my first race will be next year in Montreal, and that's an affordable thing because we'll drive up and then we'll get a hotel room and I'll get you know, you know, certain passes that are more affordable. Yeah, it becomes people out of reach, like, you know, for people, you know, other than yeah, TV. So but how was why, the, how was the TV coverage? That's the question. And, and so that's why the TV product at home is is so great. Is that okay? You don't have to go out of your way to sit in a, a spot where you're only going to see one turn of the race. You can sit at home, watch the coverage. They keep you up to date on all sort of the different storylines going on. I know talking to friends that attend the, some races, you know, there are certain backmarker competitions going on that they're not aware of. So you got the, the announcers keeping you up to date on storylines, what's going on. Yeah. You know, I've got this great surround sound system where you can hear you know, different engine sounds and different crowd sounds coming out of different corners of the room. Right. It's a great product that you can sit at home, put your feet up. It's sort of like football where, yeah, you can go to the uh, the game, but it's expensive and it's a whole day affair. Well, yeah. Or you get to sit at home, put your feet up, and just let it wash over you. You know what? <laughs> let it wash over you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play another Stevie Ray Vaughan song for you. You are very funny because 
you know, think about it. You bought chicken wings and a beer. You didn't even have to get out of your underwear, or I should say your man thong. And you could watch that I race. I sweat. <laughs> and you could save about $1,500 uh, from having to uh, hotel the tickets and food. And Anyway, yeah, that's. I think that's my way of watching racing, too, personally. <laughs> All right, now, when we come back, George is going to talk about a test drive he did and uh, a little review on a car. Stay with us. It is called The Drive. He's going to talk about that next. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Uh, we have George Kennedy III joining us. He works with Car Tender and his partner, his co-founder of that. Car Gurus, Boston Globe, U.S. News and World Report right here on The Drive. And uh, just so you know, George, 30 years on the air. I've been playing the same songs for the most of that 30 years on the show. That's great, man. No, I love I love this music. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Okay. You are here to do one of the few test drives we're going to do on the show because we've been talking a lot about just what's going on in the marketplace and all that. And I think Carl and I are going to do the same thing coming up next. But what were you driving? Well, yeah. So just in time to talk about uh, you know getting priced out on cars, we're about to do a luxury flagship sedan. Oh. Uh, it's the, the Genesis G90. So Genesis being Kia Hyundai's luxury division, this is their big boy, full size. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's their Mercedes S-Class competitor. Right. And probably very expensive. Again, like you said, being priced out of affordability for many people. And if you think about the parent company, they're all about inexpensive cars that are good cars, but affordable. And I think that's even going out the window because we tried to buy a Kia Telluride for two years and you'd have to pay $10,000 over window stickers. Some people pay more than that. It's insanity. But what does this car cost to begin with? Yeah. So, I mean, even with Genesis, they are still, so yeah, you said it right. Hyundai is more the economical option in the marketplace. Genesis is still positioned as Premium. a more affordable alternative to the established luxury players like it's, BMW, Audi. Right, Mercedes. but it's still a premium, it, and it, it has a premium price. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're paying $88,000 oh! for the Genesis G90. Oh! Our upgraded 3.5T with an e-supercharger, an electric supercharger, started at $98,000. Oh, and gosh. with just only a couple options, you're at $100,000. Um, so. 
it's one of those things that when I started my career, I never thought I would see Hyundai Kia have a luxury brand. I never thought I would see a hundred thousand dollar Kia Hyundai, know. you know, Genesis universe product. And this is an award winning car company. I mean, they have had, they won so many awards on their cars, nothing but good to say about them, but by it is, golly, it's a, it's a fabulous car. Yeah. And when you put it in the context of other flagship luxury sedans, it is kind of a value, right? Because the, the Mercedes S class starts at $110,000. When you upgrade from there, you can easily be at 140, 150k. So here's and, here's here's hold on, let me just slow you down here because to me the problem is can they escape the the place in the mind, the splinter in the mind that says affordable, inexpensive and everything that those other brands were always built on, Kia and Hyundai. Because it's like you know, pick the most expensive uh, Reeves Saint Laurent or whatever the names, Yves Saint Laurent, I don't know, whatever it is that, you know, expensive clothing line, right? And if right. I came to you and I said, hey, you know, you just got a really nice uh, suit, you need this sachet that goes in your your pocket there for your suit coat, right? And it's an Yves Saint Laurent and it's, uh, you know, it's $65. And you're like, that's okay, it's good, I'll take it. Goes with my <laughs> if I came to yeah. you and I said... Here is a little nice sachet that'll go with your Yves Saint Laurent suit. It's $65 made by Kleenex. You'd go, I'm not paying $65 for a Kleenex. You know? I mean, look, I shop at Kohl's and in Nordstrom Rack. So the, the, <laughs> the analogy may fall short, but I also would say that so the clothes analogy is funny because at the end of the day, aside from a tailored suit, a lot of this stuff, the, the, product, the cost of making these things are all nearly identical. And then all of a sudden you have a brand cachet and the thing's worth 10 times as much. I would say Toyota was in the same boat when they started Lexus, and look at those two companies. I get it. No, I get it. And you're right, because Toyota was always the value leader. You know, you buy a Camry, you buy a Corolla, you get in a great car, don't even have to have a hood latch because you don't don't go under the hood because it doesn't break down, all all that stuff. And today, Lexus, are you kidding me? All right, look, we got about 50 seconds. Where can people find information? You know what's important takeaway, Alan, is that you know, yes, we might think of this as a brand new startup brand, but there are people who are younger than us who are going to be buying cars five, ten years down the line who don't have that same background of, hey, this is just some new upstart brand. It's just been around since they've been around. Uh, the I, I get it. I get For it. them, there won't be that bias. What and, you're saying is that, you're really old, Alan. Get over it. I get it. I'm calling both of us old, man. <laughs> <laughs> is there a story about this anywhere, one of your outlets? This is a uh, Drive with Alan Taylor exclusive. So you loved it? I did love it. It was smooth. It was, you don't even notice, getting up to speed. It had every good you could imagine, massaging, heated, cooled speed. All right. Um, Let me just tell you. Second safety features. I've had three other people tell me the same thing that are automotive journalists for major brands. Genesis just makes good, good cars. There's no question about that. It's just, can we get over the mindset of affordability and all that when it's not affordable at this point for a lot of people. All right, we'll take a break. George, thank you. Pleasure as always. All right. Coming up next, Carl Brower. We'll be right back. 
word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. If the truth be known, you guys need to know, I recorded those engine sounds at the beginning of this radio program. I actually recorded those radio sounds because the, the engine sounds, because I love the sounds of an engine. And Dodge is our sponsor, and they have these electric cars coming out. And the one thing that they were really, really good at, and I, and I got to hand it to them, is that they gave an electric car, the future electric car coming from Dodge, engine sounds. Even though they're synthesized and kind of man-made, it was kind of cool. So am I an electric car guy? Not really. But I totally get it. It's just another form of propulsion. So we're going to talk more about that here today. My buddy Carl Brower is here, automotive analyst. He works with a lot of different organizations and magazines and content creation companies like uh, Forbes Autos and uh, Rob Report, iccars.com. He's an executive analyst there. He's also a juror and board member of the North American Car and Truck of the Year, NACTOY they call it. And uh, Carl, you know, I, I'm, I can't call myself a car enthusiast and talk about electric cars in the same kind of the same breath, because to me, you know, they haven't really mastered that yet to some degree. Now, you could say, well, Tesla's got the plaid that's like zero to 60 in 1.2 seconds or some stupid thing. But you know what? It's like, come on, I got to have the full package like, I don't want to go and buy a hot fudge sundae and find out all it is is a whipped cream and cherry. Where's the ice cream? Where's the hot fudge? You tell me it's a hot fudge sundae and you give me whipped cream with a cherry on it and it's just hollow. So I got to have the full package. I want that internal combustion engine making noise. I want to hear that exhaust. It's all part of it. So um, Dodge is doing a pretty good job of saying we're going to have an electric muscle car. We'll see how that happens when it comes out. And then they showed that to us recently. But what do you think about that? Are you, I know you and I we have that same kind of stuff in our veins. Well, I like the fact that you're using like the whole package definition, because to me, that's kind of the whole point, which is if you want to go super fast in a straight line and not hear anything, you can't beat an electric car. They're great for that. Instant torque. Right. Uh, you know, you press on the throttle. There is no waiting for the engine to get to its sweet zone because you get max torque starting at zero RPM and going up from there in an electric car. So how do you beat that, right? But that's for going straight, going fast, and, of course, not wanting to hear anything. Now, you and I both have had, and I still have, my Dodge Demon. Those are pretty good at going fast in a straight line, too, and they also provide a lot of other things that are going on that, entertain the senses beyond just, you know, your neck muscle because it's straining, but your hearing and your sense of feel as the engine rumbles and the whole thing. So, but there's another dimension too. And people 
on the electric car side, you don't really want to talk about this. I want to bring it up because I know it's true, which is there's more of a performance than going fast in a straight line. They're slowing down. There's going around corners. And, you know, there was a guy who made a company called Lotus. His first name was Colin. And he used to say that weight is the enemy. And you make your cars as light as possible because one of the ways you go fast is to not slow down as much when you go around a corner. And one of the ways you don't slow down as much going around a corner is you don't have as much weight to try to maintain traction going around the corner. So by the time you've put an electric battery in the current technology, electric batteries, plus motors into a car, you've basically created an extremely heavy slug. These cars weigh out. Do you know what the freaking Hummer, GMC Hummer weighs, the new one? Before you've put any people or cargo in it, it's like a 9,000-pound vehicle before any additional things have been put into it. And I was like, yeah, it's fast. It goes like 0 to 60 in like three seconds and stuff. And it's right. like, yeah. And then you've got to slow it down, and then you've got to go around a corner and stuff, you know. And if you try to tow anything and you add more weight, the range drops to half or less. Well, it drops to half or less in gas cars too. Right. And then you stop for five minutes and you fix that. You don't stop for five minutes and you fix the half the range on your towing of an electric truck. Right. So, you know, again – it depends on how you define the whole package. To me, I define the entire package. The engine noise, like you talked about, and the vibrations, that's part of it. But so is the ability to stop and go around corners quickly. Right, right. Now, if you want to talk about a future where electric cars are as fast as they are now in a straight line, and the battery technology goes solid state, and all of a sudden the batteries weigh hardly anything, and the battery packs weigh hardly that's anything. That's a different story. That, yeah. Yeah. Now you've got that forward thrust plus the same stopping and turning capability of the current non-electric car vehicles, you know, as light or lighter. Now you've got my interest, especially if you can also start to make these things recharge in, you know, 10 to 20 minutes. Now, a lot of people are like, well, they already do that. No, they don't. They potentially maybe, if you get just the right charging thing and just the right car and just the right circumstances, you can maybe get 10 to 80% in 20 minutes. Right. And anytime you talk to someone driving these test cars, they can never find one of those chargers. It never works that well. Exactly. All right, hold tight. Um, to me, we're so early in the life cycle of electric cars within this future that's in front of us. We're so early that it, uh, it it concerns me just a bit. We'll take a break. More conversation. Scintillating, titillating conversation about cars, trucks, and SUVs. We'll be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. There's an endless road to rediscover. 
in electric cars. Uh, an endless road to rediscover. <laughs> electric cars, you know what? I think they're cool. I, I there's there's a cool factor to them. Um, but I'm just I'm still waiting, watching. I'm I'm gonna be the watcher for a while. I'm Alan Taylor, it is the drive. Uh, Carl Brower joining us. Again, North American car, truck, and SUV of the year. He's a juror and a board member. Let's change subjects a little bit, Carl, to talk about, aren't you, like, ready to vote on these things? I know I've been watching all the other folks that are involved with NACTOY, which is the North American car, truck of the year stuff, but uh, you guys have been driving these things, and who's the winner? We don't know yet, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, but we got a much closer... Uh to the end of that journey when we drove them all last week. A lot of the jurors were at this event last week yeah. in uh, Ann Arbor outside of Detroit. And we drove all the finalists on the truck, car, and utility side. And it was really interesting, Alan, because I didn't try to just drive a bunch of electric cars, but I wanted to drive all the cars that I wanted to make sure I had seat time in if I hadn't already gotten it. And I ended up driving a bunch of electric cars last week. <laughs> right. So because there's so many electric cars in the finalists. And again, this is representative of this somewhat rapid transition from internal combustion to EVs, whether or not it's as rapid as it should be, whether or not it's being driven by the right forces is a whole nother conversation. But bottom line is that when you look down the list of finalists, and by the way, to be a finalist, you have to be all new or substantially redesigned. So you can't just be like, Hey, we got a new color for, you know, the Honda Accord this year. Is it in the finalist? You know, can it be a car of the year candidate? It's like, no, it needs more than that. Right. By the way, the Accord will be redesigned, I believe, for uh, 24. So we're going to see an all-new Accord soon. But the cars on the finalist list are mostly all-new cars or completely redesigned existing cars. And surprise, surprise, most of the all-new cars are electric cars, especially in the utility category. So I ended up just driving all these electric cars, and it was kind of fascinating to drive them all back to back and see how each manufacturer approaches this EV journey. You know, you've got like Audi's Q4 e-tron is very much just a Q4 with an electric drivetrain. Same with the Genesis G80 EV. It's the Genesis luxury sedan G80 with an electric drivetrain. Then you got things like the BMW iX, X-Drive 50, terrible name, by the way, but all these acronyms and words <laughs> right. and stuff. But like a very weird, different, but honestly kind of cool interior interface and exterior look. Same thing with the Cadillac Lyric. It's a little more traditional than BMW, but still a very new, different interior interface and layout to things, but kind of cool. So nobody is taking the exact same approach. Everyone's kind of taking their own approach, trying to make these EV versions of these existing models. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and where consumers go. And I think one of the things we are worried about, I've been worried about is that we're going to lose all personality when we go to electric right, cars, right, because right. What, you know, when you've got no noise and the distinctive exhaust note and everyone's trying to be super aerodynamic, all the cars look the same and drive the same. Yeah. And that's sort of true, honestly, Alan, but there's enough variation I saw last week driving like 10 different EVs in a matter of like 10 hours. I was going to say, was Uh, there one that had distinct character over the other ones? Not really in the driving. Uh, No, no, I'm talking about uh, you walked up to it and something went... Well, that's a different, you know, they, you know what the spider said as it walked across the mirror? It said, that's a different way of looking at it. So did you walk <laughs> up to it and go, wait a minute, they got a different take on this whole electric thing. Was there one? And we got one minute left. So 
I think the BMW. I think that BMW iX uh, X50 really? X Drive 50. That's its name. BMW iX small i big X yep. small X capital D Drive 50 and no space between the X Drive 50 second board there. Terrible name, but that vehicle between its look outside and its interface inside was the most unconventional of all the electric cars, but not bad. Now you could say unconventional and weird and bizarre and I didn't like it, but it was kind of cool. Like you put it in sport mode and the whole look of the like screen, the gauge and the center touch screen display background changed in a way that was kind of cool. So that's where the personality is going to be in these cars, Alan. It's going to be a lot like, you know, different interfaces when with computers and stuff and different phones, electric phones, smartphones. It'll be the look and feel of the interface, but it's not going to be an an exhaust note because they're all going to be quiet. Ah, except Dodge. (laughs) Except Dodge. Except Dodge. Okay, we'll take a break. Uh, Carl Brower, you can find him, of course, at his own website, carlbrower.com. Carl Brower on Twitter. Carl Brower on Instagram. Carl Brower to the moon. We'll be right back. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability, plus a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Subaru, go where love takes you. Thanks to Subaru for sponsoring the show. Carl Brower's here. He reminded me. He said, if you want to continue bloviating about Carl Brower and his greatness, North American Car Truck and SUV of the Year, juror and board member, and now World Car of the Let's get ready to take over the world! That's Carl Brower yelling from and the mountaintop. They're different, Alan. Believe it or not, there's North American and there's World Car of the Year, and they're not the same. They're yeah. really different. Well, because, look, you got Peugeot in different parts of the world and Seat. Well, we yep. do have a new entry into our marketplace, the Lord's Town. That's a good one Lord's to talk Town. about. The Lord. So for I've heard of it. I believe I saw one somewhere some time ago, but my my dementia has been getting worse, by the way, and it's it's <laughs> I I can't I just can't remember anything. I think it's whether it's COVID. The people say, Alan, you've got long COVID. I said, no. What's the long face? It's oh, it's long COVID. No, it's I just my memory is not what it used to be. I'm glad I've forgotten so many people I hate, and now I see them and I go, "Hey, man, long time. I thought you hated me. Oh yeah, get away from me, you pig. You know, it's like it comes right back. You know, and <laughs> there it is. <laughs> anyway, what is the Lord's Town? I mean, this is a real vehicle, right? Yeah. So this is an interesting background in that there was a Lordstown GM assembly plant that ah. built a lot of GM cars. I yep. think it built the Cruze, the Chevy Cruze, among other things, once upon a time. Yep. And then it was shut down as part of the reallocation of which cars are going to be built where. And that was seen as this terrible thing because it had been there forever, and it was, it was the lifeblood of the local economy in Ohio, Lordstown, Ohio. It was like, ah. So then there was this idea, well, hey, we'll give the plant to 
an up-and-coming EV automaker, and they'll start making EVs there. So everyone will still be employed, and the plant won't just evaporate. And so it became Lordstown Motors, the electric vehicle company that GM gave the plant to. And they're going to build their first vehicle, a truck, basically an F-150 competitor, but electric, pure electric. And it was at the event that I was at last week in Ann Arbor, Michigan, driving all the North American car truck utility candidates. It's one of the truck candidates. Right. And there was a guy there who was the head engineer who worked at GM for 30 years. So there's, there's some, you know, there's definitely some weird ties, you know, kind of background story that ties Lordstown somewhat sort of to GM and drove the truck. And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting truck. That's a word oh. that always lets people know exactly what you mean, right? Oh. Plenty of clear definition with that word. So get, do me a favor. Paint a picture for my mind's eye. What does it most look like in case I, I just can't, in case you're a bad painter, but is there a vehicle out there that it kind of resembles? Uh, I'm trying to think of like the roof line and stuff. It sort of looks like, I would say it sort of looks like maybe a first-gen Ridgeline or maybe the Frontier, the last-generation Frontier, you know. It's not quite as, like, upright as, like, a F-150. It's not quite so as square. it's a pickup it's a truck, rounder. Honda Ridgeline, in case you're not tracking, Nissan Frontier pickup truck. And is it that mid-size size? Truck, yeah. Mid-size, okay. It's, mid-size. it's full-size. No, it's, oh. it's full-size. I would say, I mean, it's, oh, God, that's a good question. I should look closer at the dimensions. I think it's, it's approximately F-150. It might be a little smaller. It's not okay. bigger. It might okay. be slightly smaller. And the Ridgeline, that's why it probably looks a lot, kind of like the Ridgeline, because the Honda Ridgeline truck is also kind of a tweener. It's right. really a little tweener. bigger than mid You're such a tweener. Yeah. I love that. Tweener. So, so it's called dr- the Lordstown. Dr- is that the Lord's full name? Lordstown Endurance. That's oh. the name. The Lordstown Endurance. It's the make and the model. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is, by the way, for those who are wondering what the heck we're talking about. Carl, he's a board member and a juror for the North American Car Truck and SUV of the Year. There's a new entry into the marketplace, a pickup truck called the Lordstown Endurance. What did you say? Endurance. Endurance. Oh, my gosh. And it's an electric vehicle, so it's endurance better deliver because of the name, right? What is the endurance? Yeah. Well, so what (laughs) kind of a – how much endurance is it going to have? You know, what are they saying, the the mileage or whatever? I think it's like a 200-mile range, you know, and, of course, it's got all sorts of torque. I think it can payloads right at 1,000, and towing, I believe, is around 8,000. So it's got, you know, relatively impressive so numbers. half-ton truck. Um, yep. Yeah, basically a half-ton truck, and it's it's very fleet-oriented. They are already oh. – uh, What, he, what you just like, told me was that it was very vanilla with design. It is kind of vanilla. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> premium. You know, like you get in like the Lightning, the F-150 right, Lightning, and right. it feels like this very upscale experience. The touchscreen is giant and all that. The Lordstown Endurance feels very basic. It feels very appropriate for people who own a business and right. they want their drivers to okay. drive around without well, so, burning so gas. Is it, is it cheap get, or inexpensive, I should say, or, you know? Uh, I don't think they've released official pricing yet. Oh There's no pricing in my uh, in my brain. Now, if you ask that question, nothing comes to mind. Well, you right? know what's it's funny? There's a lot of organizations that are getting together right now that are going, okay, where's the money? Where's the money? The money? The money's in making batteries. Oh, well, that's a big, hard thing to take. So, okay, where's the money? Where's the money? The money's in making battery charging stations. So there's like a jillion battery charging stations coming out of the woodworks now. And these guys are like, okay, 
Okay, the money's going to be in municipalities. That's what it is. Or small business. So let's make an ugly truck. I'm just saying it's my words because I haven't seen it. An ugly truck. It doesn't matter what it looks like. <laughs> Think of the, you know, it's like, if you, style is everything, isn't it? I mean, you got to make something that's good looking. It's got to be appealing yeah. in some way. All right, hold tight, Carl. Lots of scintillating conversation, as you can tell. I just said ugly truck. I think General Motors said, don't make no ugly truck. We'll be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Brandy warned you back in the 80s. Don't do that! No ugly truck! Did you listen? Well, hear this. Don't you buy no ugly truck! Believe it or not, it'll make the bundle all think you're smart. <laughs> that price is as low as a bullfrog pit. Ain't gonna get no pretty girl with that ugly truck. Damn it. That truck got hit with ugly shit. <laughs> okay, so this is a commercial I found. I thought it was General Motors, but it wasn't. It was actually a kind of a third party. Carl Brower joining us. I was thinking, what auto manufacturer came out with that? But it was a third party car dealership, and evidently it was one of the biggest marketing campaigns of its day back in the the late 80s i think it was but that's funny don't you buy no ugly truck <laughs> stuck with me all these years right we're talking about the uh, north american car and truck and suv of the year and there's a new vehicle coming out called the lordstown endurance and i might have said well it, it you know they figured well let's just build something and get it into the marketplace because municipalities just don't care what they look like as long as they're fuel efficient, you know, or in this case, efficient with electricity, and it's helping them to make their, oh, their green statement or whatever it is. But my question to Carl was, how much was it? You looked it up. You found it during the commercial break. What is this thing going to cost, this Lordstown? So they're targeting 52.5. And wow. That's kind of tricky because by the time you spend 52 plus thousand, if you go get an F-150 Lightning, I think you get as much or more range and acceleration and towing capacity, and you get a better, probably, interior. And you get more widespread dealer support and a bunch of other stuff. Right. So 
I don't know. But, you know, they're the new kid on the block. We're all supposed to pull for the underdog. You know how it yeah, goes, yeah, Alan. Yeah, Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, no. And I haven't seen it, so I know nothing about it. And I'm just, it just sounds kind of bizarre to me. And it's like, when you said it's interesting, <laughs> I thought that's the nicest thing you could say because you're wanting to say a whole lot more. I can say it, Carl. And uh, normally you will say things like that, but. I guess we'll wait and see. Everybody go look up and see what Lordstown looks like and you know, make your own opinion. But for that kind of money, I'm buying a Lightning if I'm going to buy an electric vehicle. Like you said, I want the infrastructure of the dealer network and the warranty right. system and the backing of it. Look at some of these car companies. Who was it? What's the, the one that's coming out with a truck right now that's going through some difficulties and Ford is their partner? Forgive me. Again, I'm just my brain. Rivian. Thank you. Rivian. Yeah. Because that reminds me, if I think of Rivian, I think of Harry Potter. I don't know why, but anyway, they're having their own difficulties, but they have a partner in Ford. But would Ford do service work? Now, I heard rumors that Ford was talking to Tesla about doing service work because therein lies one of the biggest problems with Tesla. People don't have a giant dealer's network to be able to go, I'm going to run over to the Ford dealer that's two miles away. No, you have to go 200 miles sometimes to get to a Tesla pay. <laughs> and even then, right. what do you do? So that dealer network is very important. Hugely important. And it's funny you're talking about Rivian because, you know, I mean, their stock price, you know, it started out at like 75, 78. I think it went up to like 150 or 170. Ooh. Now it's at like 35. Ooh. And one of the reasons among many that I think they've had trouble is because you know, like everything, it takes longer to produce the cars. It's harder to get the production rolling, all these other things. Then now there's, I think there's economic concerns. And we all know that if people get worried economically, they tend to pull back. They get more conservative on everything they do. They don't spend as much and they don't spend on things that they're not as confident about. So I think all electric cars are going to have a bigger hill to climb if we go into further economic challenges over the next six to 12 months, because people are going to be like, well, I got to spend more for the equivalent car and then I got to deal with charging it. And I, uh, screw this. I'm not sure what's going on. I just want to know I have a car and go get gas in 10 minutes and go drive where I need to go, wherever I want to go. I'm going to go buy in a traditional car. So I think a lot of the electric car companies are facing, you know, or even car companies, traditional ones trying to put out and produce and sell electric cars. They're all facing a bigger challenge today than they were six months ago. And it might be even bigger in six Ooh, months from now. Well, I wish so, them I wish uh, them luck, yeah. but in a in a marketplace like it is today, I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, we're watching these these giant companies falter. I guess you might say, you know. Um, yeah, they're struggling. So, yep. Yeah, struggle is a better word. Thank you. So you're doing stuff for iccars.com, Rob Report, Forbes, the Drive here with me. But you also go and uh, you go around the world to test drive cars. The world car jury. You went to, where did you go? To Sicily? I went to Sicily. Mamma mia. Alan, I was in Sicily <laughs> oh, eating pasta. It was fabulous. <laughs> you are not Italian. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. So My what did Italian you wife would be cringing big time. I know, right? What did you drive while you were there? I drove the uh, Maserati MC20, and I got this one down. I learned how to say it. Cello, which is a Sky in Italian. So it's the convertible version of the MC20 Coupe, a car I've already driven at Willow Springs Raceway down here near L.A., and it's fabulous. And the convertible version is fabulous. It, it gained only 143 pounds, and when you look at what it is, it's a retractable hardtop, and when the hardtop's up, 
the glass part of the main roof that's over your head has this new smart glass electric chromic uh, mm. term is what they use. And it'll go from opaque to clear. You know, it'll go from blocking out the sun so you don't burn your scalp to clear in a second by just touching a button. Wow. So when you consider the level of technology that's in the roof and the fact that it's a retractable hard top roof, 143 weight gain is pretty uh, yeah. impressive. You know, and they were able to just retweak the suspension a little bit to manage the slightly higher weight and the car feels just like the coupe. And that's exactly what you how much How much money? I'm just curious. They start at like I think it's like three hundred thousand cars, oh, two fifty to three. Oh, oh yeah. man! Okay, so putting that aside for a moment, I'm sure it was a, a fantastic machine, but technology. You know, the Consumer Electronics Show is coming up in January. Ooh, I gotta return that email. They want me to have a booth there and do all this stuff, which I've been doing for years, except last year because you had to have the shot. Now all these the booster shots and proof of everything, and I'm like, ah. I'm not going to go to that crazy. But anyway, um, I just stayed home because it was COVID in the middle of COVID hell. But uh, technology is fantastic. You just described fantastic technology where you push a button in one second and it goes from opaque to clear. Are you kidding me? That is awesome. But we are also at the best time in the history of the world for internal combustion engines, period. The best time, yeah. more power, yeah. smaller engines, lighter weight, better fuel efficiency, more economically friendly, everything, 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 everything. And all of a sudden they're like, outlaw those stupid things, those smog making things. And, you know, just don't follow that, those train cars full of coal over to the, the place where they make the batteries for these perfectly clean burning electric cars it's like there's such hypocrisy going on that it's really it's hard to even say but i love where we are with the internal combustion engine i don't so much love what i'm watching take place in the electric car market now not that it won't get there someday but i'm thinking carl we are a minimum of five years before alan feels comfortable not that i wouldn't buy an F-150 Lightning, because I think, all right, I could probably do that for my runaround truck, you know, like the municipalities, like you said, with this Lordstown thing. But I would go for the trucks with the infrastructure of dealerships, that ones that I trust, even General Motors, right. same way. Their stock and their profits are up, right? They're making profit and they're going a lot electric. But automakers, please listen carefully. Do not abandon what got you here? Wait until right. it's fully proven out. Don't just go, we're going all electric. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, guess what? Palladium and all the different minerals that they're able to, all of a sudden the shortage of this, that, and the other. And then you're talking $100,000 for a car instead of 50 when you can make an internal combustion car for, oh, $15,000 retail to the public. So let me take yeah. a break, and, and, uh, and you can respond on the other side. I'm playing Uptown Girl. That's all there is to, to it. Because you talked about Maserati MC20 Cielo Sky. You've got to be an Uptown Girl to be able to afford that. 250 to 320,000 bucks. Woohoo! Nothing wrong with that. It's just a lot of money. So we'll be right back. The 
The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. You know, I'm talking Carl Brower from ICCars.com. He's working with Rob Report, Forbes. He's a contributor here on the show. He's the world car of the world. Car of the world, jury, whatever it is, in North America. He's a actually works directly for God. So it's kind of a nice thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I was thinking about how, you know, I'm so concerned about making sure I, I still have real horsepower. I took it too far because I bought a bunch of horses and cows. And I have real horsepower because I actually really own horses now, which is kind of funny. They're like, oh, you really like horsepower. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> You know, and uh, but I, maybe I went too far. I, I swung too far the way the automakers are swinging too far electric. Anyway, I, I made you stop on my comments there about electric cars, and you can certainly weigh in there if you like. Well, remember, we were talking about the MC20 Kello and how it really drives fabulously. It's got this twin turbocharged three liter V6 that oh, makes yes. 621 horsepower, oh, yes. and it sounds fabulous. Oh. So like you were saying, Alan, the engine in the internal combustion form has never been better. It's evolved fully. And by the way, I remember like 20 years ago, there was a story in automotive news about how the EPA had to get a bunch of money from mama government, their parent, to get all new testing machines for emissions testing. You know why? Mm. Because their machines were no longer capable of measuring with any accuracy the level of emissions coming out of a car. Oh, this was my. in the early 2000s. <laughs> If you were, if you did a graph, Alan, of the average emissions of a vehicle in not even like 1950, we're talking like 1980, and today, you'd have to have the first bar on the graph really tall so that there would still be visible bars from like 2010 on because of how small the emissions are from internal combustions now. Right. Anyone who's being honest knows this. They don't yeah. like to admit it, but that's true. So I agree with you that electric cars are something that are going to keep evolving and getting better. And they're going to eventually replace some percentage of internal combustion vehicles. The problem is we're trying to rush the process. Right. And we know, know what happens when that happens. Yeah, you know, there's other things in the world that we don't have to go into, but I think everyone would know what we're talking about that were rushed <laughs> in the last couple of years yeah. and maybe weren't done as well as they should have been because of the rushing and yes. things have happened that suggest rushing isn't the way you try to solve a problem. That's you take right. your time and do it right. Yeah, so if we're going to try to get everyone out of the internal combustion car and into a gasoline car in the next two, three, five years and all, it's just not realistic on so many levels, the cost, the infrastructure, you know, a lot of people are saying, Alan, they're looking at what it takes to build an electric car. And it's kind of like ethanol. Everyone's like, why don't we just run off corn? We got all this corn, run off corn. And then once you look into it, you realize because it takes four gallons of energy to produce one gallon of ethanol. You know, it's a losing proposition exactly. and it's great for race. And under certain circumstances, as anything, you can find certain uses, but to say just universally, that's what we should do. Screw the oil people in the Middle East. Let's just grow our own fuel. That's the problem. Same thing with electric cars. The amount of energy that goes into building each electric car 
is so vast and it requires so much time and resources. That's why they cost more. And a lot of people who look at it without any ulterior motive say, it's not actually better for the planet. By the time you have done what it takes to produce these batteries than the rest of the car, the car could run without any emissions for 20 years, and it was still harder on the planet for that car to exist for 20 years than it was a traditional internal combustion car. They have to add the manufacturing footprint, carbon footprint, back into the car, and they should do that on the window sticker. They really should, because then you would have truth. And I think right. that's don't tell know. me what this car does now that I'm driving it off a lot. Tell me what it took to get it exactly. to the lot exactly. and how many see how much CO2 was created in the process and no. how many, you know, pieces of land were turned into strip mining that looks terrible and all these other. By the way, if there was a song for the electric car, I think it would be Dire Straits. You know, think about it. It's like what they think, you know, money for nothing and your chicks for free. Uh, It's just not realistic. It's not sustainable. The electric car, they're selling that it has no emissions, but they're not really delivering all the truth of the equation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on MTV. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. Thanks to our friends at Dodge for sponsoring the show. We have a lot of friends in the auto industry, and uh, it's nice to have them supporting when you're not always talking nice about the things they have to do in their in their business. So we appreciate them giving us, uh, you know, kind of paying homage to truth. And so our sponsors, uh, you know, Subaru and Dodge and others, you'll hear us talk about them, but... Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. They're one of them. Uh, Carl Brower is here. He's the executive analyst at iccars.com. And um, we should, you know, stop beating up on electric cars for a moment. Because I, I know I like to do it so much. It's it's really easy. Um, but And I don't hate electric cars. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like that there's so much packaging and marketing going on right now that American consumers are really, we buy from the package. A lot of times we don't flip it over and see what the ingredients are. We don't see what the, the impact on the environment is. We don't see what, you know, is good for us. We don't read the calories. And, you know, it's, some of it was like if you really, if you do that, you probably wouldn't eat half the things you do, which, you know, it's, we're all guilty of that. But 
we buy the packaging and the marketing. And so our job here is to make sure that we make people flip over that thing that they're about to put in their mouth and say, what's in this anyway? I love these. Oh, my God, I can't eat this. Anyway, Carl Brower. <laughs> so uh, for a moment, let's change subjects. ICcars.com just did a study. And the used car market has specifically seen a huge fall off in affordability of mainstream cars. Maybe you could report on that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. We basically just looked at the price of uh, used cars today versus three years ago, because we can go back and do trending, as they say, and look at that over time. And what we found was probably not too surprising to the average consumer out there, but cars in general and used cars particularly, they're just not affordable like they used to be. And we have a way to define it. And without getting too much into the weeds, essentially, it's like, this is how much you should put down for the car. This is how long you should finance the car. And this is what percentage of your income should be spent on a car. And there's rules for all that. And essentially, it's 10%. You don't want to spend more than 10% of your income on a given month I mean, out of your budget on your car. And so if you take the average income of a consumer in today's world, and then what 10% of that is available for cars, and then how much cars cost and how much it would cost you to finance one over a responsible time frame. You don't want a 10-year loan on a car because then right. it costs you so much in interest. So when you do all that, you get to a point of like, this is how much you should be spending. And then you look at the, how much the cars cost in today's market. And when we did all that, like 33 cars, pretty major ones, pretty mainstream ones, fell out of affordability over the last three years. Mm. And so I'll give you an example, you know, Toyota Avalon, Chevrolet Traverse, Volvo S60, Ford Mustang, Acura TLX, Toyota Prius, Toyota RAV4, Mini Convertible, Mini Countryman, and Volkswagen Golf GTI. That's just the first 10. There's 33. There's 23 more. Those are the first 10. So think about that. RAV4s, Priuses, Toyota Avalon, Chevy Traverses, that's one of their main you know, three-row SUVs. All these cars. If you go further down, you got Subaru Outbacks, Subaru Foresters, Honda Accords, Honda CRVs. Almost every major mainstream car is in this list that has lost affordability. And again, this means that if you were going to buy one three years ago and you are a typical American making a typical salary and paying a typical used car price for one of these vehicles. It was in the range totally of, them. yeah, affordability. Yeah. Now it's not. And now, now it isn't. And I'll, I'll give you an example. The RAV4 in 2019, the average price for a used RAV4 was $11,522. In 2022, in August, that we did this, you know, we had to take information from a couple months ago. So when we had all the info, so from August of 2022, the price is no longer 11,522. It's 32,056. What? Almost three times as much for the same used car. Now remember, in 2019, we're looking at we define a used car by a three-year-old car. So in 2019, we were looking at 2016 Rav4s, three years old with a certain amount of miles, and they were coming in around 11,500. Now in 2022, we're looking at 2019 cars that are around three years old and have a certain amount of miles, and they're $32,000. Now, gee, why are cars not affordable for some reason? Alan, I don't get it. And again, we we tracked income, too. And income went up in the last three years, too. Didn't go up like used car prices. Yeah, but then then you also have, you know, what's going on in the world where recession. Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, anyway, just, yeah, it's like wowzer, wowzer. Okay, this report, if that opens your eyes and you want to read the whole report, iccars.com. Yep. Yikes. Well, Carl, yeah. I think we've done a good job here today. This song is for you. I hope you can, <laughs> let's see if you can gather what it is because you know what it is yet? Come on. Why can't we be friends? Oh, I should not be singing. <laughs> Carl Brower, thank you, man. Uh, you can hey. find Carl at carlbrower.com. What? Last word. Just fun being on with you as always, Alan, trying to 
trying to solve all the world's problems. We'll get there. Yeah, I knew that. It's always fun. It's always fun hanging with Alan Taylor. You know that, Carl. Why can't we be friends? Of course. Exactly. See you guys all next week. You can find that again at iccars.com. Until then, why can't we be friends? Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com slash wilderness.